TopTal. TopTal is a marketplace for the top developers and top designers. So to get a no-risk trial period of up to two weeks with the top 3% of developers and designers in the world, visit toptal.com forward slash pool. toptal.com forward slash pool. And thank you to TopTal for supporting this episode. GummyCube. 63% of all apps are discovered via App Store search. This is why you need GummyCube. You need App Store optimization using accurate mobile data. Go to gummycube.com, gummycube.com, and make sure you optimize your app for the best chance of success. Hi, I'm Brian Sanders. Uh, I'm the co-founder of Nextcast, and you're listening to the App Guy Podcast. The App Guy Podcast. Straight from your host, Paul, the App Guy. Welcome to another episode of the App Guy podcast. I'm your host, it's Paul Kemp. So as you know, I go around it, I get all nationalities, everyone from around the world that can help us with our app journeys. And today, I love my guest. I, I We were connected. He's one of the nicest uh, people I've met, wonderful at building up relationships with influencers. And uh, he's definitely got something to talk to us about. This founder is responsible for building up, get this, 40 million page views uh, for uh, his startup, which actually ended up being sold to Google. So it's a dream come true for many of the founders and the startup uh, entrepreneurs that listen to this show. Uh, And he is the founder of Just Reach Out. He's got a product. I've been going through it. I love it. It's just great content. Let me introduce uh, Dmitry Dragolov. And he is the founder of Just Reach Out. Dimitri, welcome to the App Guy podcast. Thanks. Good to be here. Now, Dimitri, you do a lot of stuff in the web space, but it's very applicable to apps because you have this product called Just Reach Out, which I want to get um, and cover with you uh, going forward. But first, we must touch on Polar, your experience of building up this 40 million view site and selling it to Google. Would you be able to give us a run through of uh, actually how, you, you, you know, the story behind Polar? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, actually, it used to be an app when we started. Uh, it was primarily mobile first app because the founder of Polar, Luke Rabluski, was the guy behind mobile first development and the idea and all the books. And he's kind of a thought leader in the space. Luke W is his Twitter name. And when he founded the company and he said, hey, Dimitri, come work with me and these couple other people that I want to recruit. Uh, it was primarily um, just a mobile app, and it was a very simple app. It was just a beautiful way to create a poll on any given topic or question you have and ask your friends to participate in your poll. It could be anything, Starbucks versus Dunkin' Donuts or Xbox versus PS4. And so when we first launched to the App Store, we really didn't have that good of um, time to try to find customers we i mean we we were funded by jerry yang of of yahoo and so we had some money to play with and we tried a lot of different things we tried in app store optimization we also tried a lot of different um, tactics such as partnerships we also did ads and and all that did drive great you know good amount of users to our to our app to download and use it but it was just not having impact of millions. <laughs> and we 
uh, we were burning through some of the cash and we were just not seeing huge hockey stick growth. And uh, that's when we kind of turned to, and again, we tried a lot of things and a lot of them worked, but there just, there wasn't that sporadic huge growth that was sustainable. We, we had to spend more money to get more users and the, the, the SAP was free, so um, we couldn't keep spending more money on acquiring users and just hoping we'll turn to the next Twitter. We needed to make this a business where we were not spending more money to get new customers. And so we, um, what I was looking at at the time is breaking news, breaking tech news, and the idea, one of my experiments, and I like to call them PR experiments or SEO experiences, experiments, is just to find a way to gain a whole big group of influx of users with a cool little experiment or, or trick and see how well that, how sustainable that is. Can we keep repeating it? And so we, iOS 7 was coming out. And so what we did is, um, Luke being design mind, you know, like design thinking and mobile first, really well known in the design community, having a lot of connections. Um, basically we compared one to one all the icons and all the functionality of iOS 7 with iOS 6. And at the time there was a little bit of uproar. People were not that excited about the new iOS 7. They were actually comparing that to the Windows phone operating system and saying that it might not look great and that there's inspiration from Windows that came uh, over to it. Uh, and so we, we did a poll um, and Luke promoted it and we got a thousand votes on each icon. So there was icon to icon, iOS 6 versus iOS 7. We ended up uh, running that overall poll and again some votes on it. This was all on the iOS app and what we did is we took that and pitched the results of it to press and media to, to who was talking about this topic a lot because iOS 7 update was coming out saying that people actually prefer iOS 7. And so people loved it. They, they, they cited our name and said this cool new app called Polar allows you to poll, did the study, and this is what they found. Except there was nowhere to link to because it was an iOS app. So they just linked to our homepage, which was okay. So people came to our homepage, some of them downloaded the app, some of them didn't. But there's no immediate action or engagement on it. And so we did a few other ones like that that were very, very um, newsworthy at the time. Xbox versus PS4, we did game consoles, games, all the different aspects of those and compared them against each other. And little by little, we just started going to techmeme.com or TechCrunch, just trying to peruse the news, trying to figure out what are the hottest topics that are happening right now and what polls should we create. And we understood that journalists love these free studies, this free data that we we're giving them. And it was time to ask them to cre create these polls on their own, but also embed them in their own articles. And that is where we pivoted away from the iOS app, which was kind of funny because Luke, uh, Luke Rabusch, he's, you know, he's, his whole thing was mobile first and mobile first became such a huge, huge, huge idea that, you know, like it's a worldwide phenomenon. Everybody is talking about it. He 
all he did is he flew around speaking, you know, giving talks about mobile-first development. And so for us to pivot away from it and go to web version was kind of a big deal. But we had to because journalists would create these polls only on the web and add them to their sites through the web. And so we built a whole web version and, um, and that really kicked things into overdrive after we launched the web version you know, NPR and MLB and NBA and NHL and all the sites out there, Gizmodo, and, and everybody started using it. Uh, and we would help them keep people on site longer by embedding these polls. So instead of just leaving a comment, person might vote on 10 polls and then all sorts of ads would improve, the ad performance would include, improve and so forth. And that's how we really grew, um, so it was a pseudo, and the app is still, I mean, it was still kicking around, people were using it, it's just the main growth kind of pivoted away from the app world into desktop world a little bit, um, helping each other, but the, the, um, the process was very similar to YouTube, you embed a poll, people would take it, they would click over to on the logo to come to our site, our site would show them this poll, it will also show them to sign up and create their own poll and, and improve time on site uh, for themselves and so people, it was like a circle, people would always go back and create more polls for their website. So, Dimitri, I... I love this because, uh, you know, I've done 500 episodes of this show over and you've just hit on two of the massive themes come out of all of my chats with all of these different successful founders. Uh, the first is the uh, uh, the theme of solving a real problem. And it sounds to me like your journey was about solving a real problem, especially for the journalists. And the second one is pivot when you need to and uh, follow uh, the success uh, even even if it's uh, against what you initially thought. Uh, and so I love the fact that you've just, you must have listened to all other episodes to figure that out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I listened to uh, quite a bit of your episodes. But yeah, I wanted to kind of make sure like people get some takeaways from this kind of stuff. It's always hard to talk about success. Everybody talks about success and uh, people kind of, get sad listening to it a lot of times but <laughs> well let's talk about uh, how we can help uh, the apps to tribe listening to this uh, it, it, because you have obviously had a huge amount of success you were eventually bought out by google but what you learned throughout that whole process you are now giving back through just reach out so uh, what is just reach out tell us about how you're helping others pitch to the press yeah, so I mean, uh, through that process, I learned that all the people in my s spot where I was were struggling exactly the same way. They wanted publicity and exposure for their apps, and they couldn't get it uh, through traditional means. They had to either hire this big PR firm or hire this huge agency to represent them and pay them $5,000, dollars and, you know, we, we only raised, I think, a million, a million and a half. And so it wasn't that much to keep a team going uh, for a year or a year and a half and afford a PR agency. We just couldn't afford one. And I found that a lot of people were in that same boat. They just needed to figure out how to talk to press and get some exposure for their apps. And, uh, and so Just Reach Out was born out of that need for the smaller entrepreneurs, app developers who are just on their own, 
one or two person teams to be able to email a journalist and pitch them something relevant to what they like to write about. Uh, and so we built a sort of a matching algorithm that looks at journalists and their needs. So say a journalist is writing about Bitcoin and they've been writing about Bitcoin for the last five years and they're probably the best expert in the Bitcoin field. And there's somebody out there developing a new Bitcoin app. Well, they probably should talk to each other at some point and they'll have a lot of mutual interests. And so that mutual interest is a great conversation starter. And so our software just kind of makes that easy to find. So finding that match, it'll try and find the best journalists based on what they've written or what they're writing about right now. So there's journalists out there that actually put out queries, believe it or not, saying, I'm writing an article on Bitcoins or I need to, and I need a quote from a Bitcoin expert or could be entrepreneur or, or an app developer and I need to interview them for this next issue. And they're just looking for somebody to talk to in their space. And so we, we aggregate that data and we also help you match with them and then you can contact them through our platform uh, we sort of make sure that your page gets to them it gets opened uh, we correct any kind of email addresses that are not correct so uh, we guarantee a hundred percent deliverability and it's um it's a SaaS product so like i realized that people can't you know they can't afford sometimes they can't afford 65 60 or 50 dollars a month like sometimes the app developers like they're they're literally like they they're looking at every dollar they spend every month so it's uh sort of it's designed for the smaller guys to be good at or become better at reaching out to press and journalists and be able to talk to them and gain some publicity so yeah, yeah. we're I know how great it is when a, a journalist reaches out to you and asks for a comment or a quote. I was just happened to me today and it's so much easier. And so, you know, that's the right way of doing it. I'd love to know first, uh, because I'm sure everyone's uh, sort of, you know, I guess doing it wrong in some way. What What is the wrong way of doing it? Um, what is the wrong way of reaching out to uh, influencers in the tech press? Yeah, so the wrong way, and I see this all the time, we have over 3,500 paying customers of this service right now, and I do the support for all of them, which is crazy, but I want to talk to my customers. And the number one way that our app developers or small businesses, they're trying to pitch press, the number one way that they try and do it is, hello, John, uh, I launched this new app, this new app does this, this, and this. It helps families spend less time on their iPhones by rewarding them, or it helps this uh, teenagers not to text and drive. We just launched. Here's our info about our team. Here's a link to our page. Here's a link to our app. Can you check it out? Would love to hear from you. And that's all they write. And so that that type of pitch is all about them and themselves and what they're doing and they're presuming that that person will find it interesting now usually journalists will receive anywhere from 80 to 100 emails every day uh, exactly the same format where hey this is what we're doing can you write about us 
and there's no form actual conversation starter there so I always say a conversation starter is where you give something to them you give value to them up front to start a relationship or a conversation so I always say if you saw them at a conference and you sat down with them or you started talking to them randomly cold they don't know you that you don't know them what would you say and chances are you would not walk up to them and say hey and start talking exactly about your app and what you're doing, you'd probably refer to something they've written or something they've tweeted or something they've done and start the conversation there and see if there's any overlap between that and what you're doing day to day with your app. So it's a little bit of a bridge to, hey, I, I, I this is what we're doing, can you write about us? And that's where I guess um, a lot of people kind of fall down is, well, I can't figure out what that the transition should be because an, a typical app developer might not have, you know, like they're not an extrovert. And I'm, I'm an engineer by background. I, I know what that is like exactly. I came here as a Soviet immigrant in 93 and I was not an extrovert in any way. I was that guy who sat coding next on my computer. But um, I pushed myself to get a little better at just starting a conversation that is not, you know, like there's some common interest between you and another person and you, and that person at least finds something you say are, is interesting. It, it's, um, it's kind of mundane, shallow, I guess, or too shallow to, to hear for a journalist to hear, oh, hey, we're doing the new app. We have this new product. We have this, can you look at it? It's everybody says that to them. So how can you stand out? You, you have to offer some value, some insight, some data, some opinion, some comment on their article. Maybe you found a spelling mistake in their article. But something besides, hey, here's, here's what we're doing. Here's our brand new app. Uh, and so, D Dimitri, I have to confess that uh, in my first ten episodes, I think uh, I had a, a chat with the author of Pitch Perfect. This is when I was just starting this show out, and we were talking about exactly the same thing. That was four years ago, and I feel that you still see this, even though we know that it's sensible advice. Because you're so excited about the app, you just can't help but, you know, start it's hard. throwing it's emails so around hard. and saying, hey, look, world, I've built the app. You're, are you ready for it? <laughs> yeah, it's just so hard. And I do it still, too. I mean, I preach that stuff. I have a whole course on it. I, I coach over 200 startups at a given year. And, like, still, I still, once in a while, hey, have you seen this? And I'm like, oh. I really shouldn't be. So I started the practice of actually reading my emails out loud if I'm reaching out to somebody who I'm doing this on a first-time basis. And really, like, when you read it out loud, it, you kind of stop because you usually don't, you wouldn't say that to a person live. But somehow email makes it fine to do. And, and so, yeah, I catch myself all the time with it. Uh, and I'm still struggling but i'm getting better at um, building that first relationship first value up front and then seeing how i can kind of improve and that's why i started the course like basically teaching people how to do it because i saw 3500 people on there and a lot of them are writing these huge emails all about their apps and what they do 
So I hope you're enjoying this episode. Let me just take a moment to thank my two very important sponsors. They are the ones that sponsor this content. So first is TopTal. TopTal is a network of the world's best developers and designers. These are people that have been rigorously vetted before they've even been allowed to join the TopTal network. Now what sets TopTal apart is the network of quality talent. At the same time, they have the world's best network of the best developers and designers and TopTal also have a hands-on matching process that helps ensure that you get connected with the best individuals from their network. Once you begin to work with uh, any individual from TopTal, they'll always back you up with a no-risk trial of up to two weeks in length. And this is where you simply have the opportunity to work with an individual developer or a designer as part of your team. And if you should feel that there is something missing or that TopTal aren't really working, uh, then you can just uh, tell them and they will cover the costs of the developer or designer. So it's a wonderful service. You can try it uh, for this two weeks period and I think you will love it. That's why they sponsor this show and that's why I'm happy to uh, talk about them. And I now encourage you to go to uh, this link. It's toptal.com forward slash pool toptal.com forward slash pool go and check it out it's highly worth uh, finding the world's best developers and designers in this one place thank you very much to toptal for supporting this episode gummy cube a uh, gummy cube is great when it comes to app store optimization and you know i was reading an article on reddit and it read is it still possible to be an apppreneur and the best piece of advice given to this apppreneur was to get your app store optimization right. Uh, ASO is incredibly important because 63% of the apps that are discovered and uh, put onto a phone are through app store search. And so that means you need to be where it counts. That means being discovered when people are searching your keywords and actually knowing what those keywords are, the best converting keywords. GummyCube are taking all of their data from the app stores. They're not scraping the web. They are actually getting real mobile data. And that is so important because the way we use the app store is very different to the way we search on the web. Uh, so go to a trusted, source for your app store optimization go to gummycube.com gummycube.com and i want to thank gummycube for being such a long sponsor of this show okay let's get back into the chat it's crazy and it it sort of reminds me of um when i was at university and you start with the essays and you know you end up writing these really long essays and and getting poor results and then you realize if you start thinking of it as the marker and what they're looking for, you start to write differently. And I guess if we need to, if if we put ourselves in the shoes of the journalists, they don't want to read like this huge long email with pictures and PDFs. I'm guessing they just need a one sentence pitch if you are pitching to them, or uh, certainly something where you're adding value. Is yeah, right? um, Fractal. There's an agency called Fractal. And they put out pretty interesting studies usually. They kind of concentrate on content that goes viral, I guess. They create content that goes viral. It's a marketing agency. But uh, they put out this study. It was really interesting. They, uh, they surveyed 500 journalists and they asked them what do they prefer to see in a pitch. And they compiled all the study into this, this slide deck, which was shared on growthhackers.com. 
which is this platform to share interesting marketing articles and materials. And um, if you Google 500 journalists survey, you probably find it. And I can send you a link to it. It's, uh, but it's funny because they, they told you specifically, you know, that we want something that's less than 200 words, I think. Uh, subject line less than 65 characters and no PR releases, no attached stuff to it. Uh, we want to receive it in the morning, uh, something like 8 a.m. Uh, and something like 80% of them, or 70% of them, uh, prefer email pitch versus all other mediums. And yeah, so that kind of gave people a little bit of uh, a sort of, uh, I guess, the status quo when it comes to email like pitching press and then from there you can kind of improve on the actual conversation starter but mostly emails yeah should be kind of short to the point and just to start a conversation with them kind of provoke them in some ways and i go through many different examples on it but i you know asking to interview them on your blog might be one way asking them to answer a core question or a Reddit question, or a Quora question, a LinkedIn, um, and then telling them, hey, I, I tried to answer this question myself. I don't think I did it justice. I'm not an expert. You are. Would you happen to share a few words of wisdom around this question? You know, you're not asking for PR. You're not even asking them to cover yourself. You're just engaging in a conversation with them about a topic that both of you share in common, interests in common. And so... Um, if you're interested in something, and they're interested in something, you both contribute to the same discussion, that's uh, one place you can push off of and say the next section of the, the relationship and just keep going that way. Um, so, so, so Dimitri, um, I'm thinking like there's uh, clearly for everyone interested just go to just reach out just reach out and uh, there'll be links on the show notes as well and and they and you have a wonderful teaching style as well having gone through now uh, a majority of the courses just a wonderful course i was thinking of changing gears slightly now and this is a show where we like to inspire uh, those who are listening uh, you know, they can be traveling in a car to a job they don't like and stuck in traffic. <laughs> and you are an entrepreneur. You've had a huge success with what you've done so far. You are living now uh, almost like, I guess, a life of freedom with free to, to do your own things. Give us um, some uh, idea of what it's like to go through a day in your life, because I think that would inspire us. Yeah. Um, actually, the first lecture in my course uh, I talk a lot about uh, trying to reach this point because I came here as a Soviet immigrant and uh, half of my family believed a better life here versus Russia and when we arrived it was <laughs> it was pretty tough like it should be for any immigrant uh, and uh, I raised my sister on my own my mom was working a lot and the whole time I was trying to think about this life that I have now is, you know, I, I didn't want to work for a large boss or like a large company or a big boss. I, I wanted to have a business where I control what I do day to day and, you know, I have the financial freedom to take vacation if I want. I, I sort of have, 
have control of my own destiny and I'm doing something that I'm truly excited about. I want to wake up every day and just come like be very excited about it um, day to day. But it wasn't like that. And so I w was um, always on the search of what makes it me kind of click day to day and what makes me excited every day. And, and so I used to be a software engineer and I, I became a soft like working in software engineering really early like in my teens and then I got my formal education and I decided to become a full-time software engineer still wasn't finding that excitement day to day I it was fun it was interesting but working a large company I guess at the time and so I quit my job very kind of like pre-MBA I think it was yeah um, because I was reading magazines about Silicon Valley and all these news publications were talking about startups and this was 2006 2005 and so I uh, I drove cross-country in my Honda Civic to go to Silicon Valley and I arrived and I was trying to find a job except I had no experience in marketing so nobody would hire me so I lived in this crappy Econo Lodge and I was trying to find a free gig. You know, I'll work for free for anybody in the startup world. I just want to figure out how to do startups. <laughs> and nobody would hire me. They'd be like, you know, you're a software engineer from BAE Systems. You know, you worked on Department of Defense software development projects. You should just go back and do that. And so uh, little by little, I proved myself to like this one startup and they took me under their wing. and. I learned a lot from uh, their founder and what uh, we went through. We went through like two years. We raised a lot of money and uh, we were acquired um, again um, in like in, in two years after that. And so I learned a lot from that. And then I kind of stick around, stuck around Silicon Valley for a while and bounced around different startups and met a lot of people, started my podcast series. Uh, met a lot more people by interviewing them and then that's where I thought oh when I interview them I can promote them and I could help them fulfill whatever need they have and so it was funny like you know Konstantin Gureki the co-founder of LinkedIn agreed to be on my live interview in front of other people usually he charges money to do this thing and do it for free just because he's looking to hire people and just because I knew that I could get them, you know, to come and, and get the right people to come to this event and, and make it worthwhile for him. And so I started thinking how I can help people and also align those interests with my own as well. And, and so that was like the beginning of the PR space or the SEO space. But, um, and yeah, now I, I love it. I love what I'm doing. It took a while to get to this point because I was always trying you know, like different startups, I did different roles. I was a product manager for a while and I was a marketing manager for a while. And I just, you know, I needed to find something that was sustainable. That was like the first, first thing is, you know, how can it be sustainable month over month and year after year as a business? And then how can I just wake up every day and just can't wait to open my inbox and see what's going on and hop on calls. Uh, what can I be doing? Because if you're not excited every day about it, and there are always downtimes, like 90% of the stuff I do is always like, like, like now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, never, like I fail at like all this stuff. It could be like, oh, like 90% of the stuff I always like, oh, this like didn't work. Oh, this didn't work. This is not working. But it's still, 
exciting to just I find it like very exciting to just think about traffic and like exposure and uh, I just love working with companies that are trying to get exposure and when they get it right they get exposure or they meet a big celebrity so Dim- or something. Dimitri let me um, let me jump in here because uh, you've mentioned a lot which literally resonates to many of the past episodes that people will pick up on and uh, what I've learned from you in that is very inspiring uh, like chat and I I think it's important to understand yourself uh, work at a startup because you learn more at a startup in those few years than you could do in lots of um, years uh, doing an MBA or you know proper education (laughs) Uh, add value first when you're reaching out I learned that Uh, work, work hard and just have like exciting work that it has a purpose. All those things seem to come out of your inspiring journey. And uh, I really appreciate you sharing that with us. Uh, Dimitri, I want to make sure that people do get a chance to um, follow up. So where best can they reach out to you, (laughs) connect? Um, Well, criminallyprolific.com is my site, which uh, is independent of Just Reach Out. So... Uh, that's where I write my articles and I got my little bio and there's a contact um, field there so you can contact me through criminallyprolific.com I guess that's the best way great and yeah I mean there's also uh, just reach out which is the course that I'm going through and uh, if uh, you are struggling to find that I mean it's obviously very easy to google otherwise just go to the show notes uh, it's episode 503, 503 with Dimitri. Dimitri, I'm seriously inspired, blown away. Love your story uh, from um, your humble beginnings to the success you've had. Thank you so much for sharing this on the App Guide podcast and uh, all the best. Cool. Thanks. Good to be here. I'm offering a curated list of the top things I learned from my podcast during the week and you get a regular update via email. You need to go to theappguy.co and register and then you'll get this curated directory of some really awesome content. So theappguy.co, register your email. Thank you very much for listening to this. Go to theappguy.co to access the backlog of past interviews. I've got hundreds of interviews with startup founders, millionaires, entrepreneurs, and app developers, authors. It's a wonderful resource and you'll get access to it. Just go to theappguy.co and register where you will then be able to access uh, off-air chats as well as past interviews. Thanks very much for listening.